Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our Sunday morning service with our series, I'm Feeling, with evangelist David Deger Hernandez and his message, I am Feeling Carnal. Enjoy. I'm happy to be back here again on a beautiful Sunday morning here at Praise Chapel Paramount. Welcome to all of you here and welcome to those of you watching live. Um, you know, technically, we finished our series already, right, uh, Pastor Isaac? We kind of closed that out technically. But being as how we haven't yet transitioned over to the other one, I'm just going to tack one more, like, amendment, like a bonus chapter on here, okay? So um, a couple of weeks ago, I, I, uh, I spoke on um, feeling bitter, and hopefully many of you were delivered from feelings of resentment and bitterness. And it was one of those, uh, from what I heard from a lot of people, it's one of those really challenging words, uh, but it was also definitely one of those necessary words. Um, but this morning, I want to address one more way we can be feeling. And uh, as I said before, I want you to really allow this to um, really, really examine your hearts as we go through the word. That's a good practice to make. Whenever you're going through scripture that you, you examine your thought patterns, you examine your lifestyle, you examine even those things that you kind of overlook as just a regular part of who you are. Um, I think one of the things that can happen is we grow numb to hearing the word of God so often. And what ends up happening is that when we hear a word that's actually correcting something in us, we can say amen, thinking it's talking about someone else and never realizing that we ourselves are struggling in that exact same area. And so we become blind to our own um, flaws, our own, um, how shall I say, weaknesses. Uh, So I want to minister this morning, simple word on what to do really. And the title is, I am feeling carnal. And what to do when you get in those situations when your flesh is just too strong. So we're going to get into that. I'm joined by my brother, Mr. Stephen Moctezuma here. And he does, um, he's going to back me up as usual. Appreciate you, my bro. Uh, but let's pray. And those of you watching at home, as I often do, I know it's very easy to disconnect because it's digital and because it's on a screen. Um, One of the best practices that I recommend is to, as you would for prayer, silence the room. Put away all the other devices that you're not watching this on. Maybe you're watching this on a mobile device. Uh, You may be tempted to swipe and scroll over to the other app and then come back in and check. But I, I really encourage you, just for the next 30 minutes or so, just for the next 30 minutes or so, you need to hear this word. You need to hear this word and you need to let it get into your spirit. So I want you to remove all distraction in your homes. I want you to get rid of whatever may be playing in the background. Uh, Jess, my dear, you're watching. Love you. And to little Aria. Hi, Aria. Good to see you. Don't distract mommy while she's at church. Uh, But the rest of us, obviously, we can, um, we're a little more focused here. But I want to pray. And I want to ask the Lord to really uh, dig deep into the heart this morning. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift this moment to you. And Lord, we know that your word is the final authority. We know that your word is like a hammer that breaks apart tough mindsets and tough hearts. And I pray, Lord, that we would examine our lives, our mindsets, our patterns of thinking, our viewpoints, our personality traits, everything about us, Lord even our habits, 
And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to recognize by your Holy Spirit those things in us that that displease you. And we pray that you would be as the refiner's fire, that you would burn away everything that is not of you, leaving only the pure and the holy. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody through their masks said... Sorry, I had to have a little bit of fun with that. (laughs) So I want to talk to you first about the nature of the flesh, the nature of the carnal man. Now, the flesh, the carnal person that that we describe, Paul the Apostle uh, talks about wrestling with this individual, and he says, the things I want to do, I just can't seem to do them. I, I want to pray. I want to devote myself to the word. I want to overcome my fear and get into the church service. I want to fellowship. I want to open up to people. I want to give. But, but there's, this, there's this barrier between me and where I want to be. There's this, this something else within me that seems to be resisting that progress. As I move forward spiritually, I feel like sometimes I'm being held back by some otherworldly force. And that, that other person, that other individual who was supposed to be dead, you know, the scripture says, I'm crucified with Christ, no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. That's great, and it sounds wonderful, and we know that to be the truth. Then why does our experience often seem to contradict the truth? After all, if I've truly been crucified with Christ, if I've truly been baptized into his death, if I've truly been one with him in his sacrifice, why is it then that this person that's supposed to be dead resurrects so often? The flesh, this carnal man, something, or or woman, whichever one you are, and it comes up again and again and again and it seems just when I get this person in check just when I get that other individual in check there, there there's this 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 rise that comes again now here's the truth about the flesh and you're not gonna like it but this is the reality and I have to share it with you you will never ever truly be delivered from the flesh did you hear what I said you're never gonna be delivered from the flesh in this world, okay? That's, that's not something that happens here and now. Now, let me show you a very popular portion of Scripture that we often quote, but I think we miss several things that are mentioned here. Um, I'm going to read it. Believe it or not, I'm going to read it in the King James Version because I really like the way the King James Version puts this verse. Uh, go, to, go to Romans chapter 8. Let's start at... Verse 9. Okay. Romans 8, 9. I'm reading out of the King James Version. This is what the Bible says. Those of you in your homes, follow along. But ye, I'll just put you, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Okay. So first and foremost, it tells me which, which person I exist in, which world I live in, what I am a part of truly, where I truly stand in the spirit. I'm not in the flesh. I'm in the spirit. Okay, so continuing to read now, we discover, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. So if I have the Holy Spirit, 
which means I'm a child of God, then I am in the Spirit, not walking in the flesh. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. What does this mean, being in the Spirit, in the Spirit? Does it mean walking around like you're high and pretending to see things that nobody else sees? Does it mean being just kind of tripped out all the time? Like, whoa, God is totally talking to me right now. And, you know, there are, there are moments where you'll find those. I mean, um, Peter himself talked about how he was praying and went into a trance. I mean, that trances are biblical. When you pray, you can find yourself in an, under an open heaven, heavenly visions. Now, that is supernatural, but I'm talking about spiritual. These are the three things people mix up. There's the supernatural which is a manifestation of the heavenly realm within our world. Then there is the spiritual, which is the nature of Christ in you. And then there is the weird, you're just being weird. Okay? So, so, so you, can't, you can't be too spiritual, but you can be too weird. You can't be too spiritual, but you can sometimes lose the focus on the here and the now and become too supernatural. Now, some might think, okay, that sounds a little contradictory. After all, isn't the Christian faith that it's very core supernatural? Yes. But what I mean by that is that we become so focused on miracles that we forget about marriages. Or we become so focused on healing that we forget about children. We become so focused on speaking in tongues that we forget to stop gossiping. These are the things that we, we can contradict in our lives sometimes in the Spirit. So, there's the supernatural. There, there is a time for that. There is a place for that. But you know, when there's, there's sometimes that the supernatural is just not functioning. I mean, I know a guy who we, were, we went out to dinner. I mean, he did like a 30-minute prayer and started praying in tongues over the food. I stopped him. I said, bro, it's not a prayer meeting. Let's eat. Okay? So I get what we... I mean, I didn't know if we wanted to resurrect the, the rotisserie chicken or something. But, but he was praying, like, like in tongues. For, and I get it. I love the passion. But I'm thinking, man, like, like now, is, now is the time for eating. We're very hungry right now. Okay? So that, that was in that moment, we weren't really looking for the supernatural. We were looking for the natural, which was the meal. Okay? So there's the supernatural, which is good. And it should be a major part of your Christianity. Major part. In fact... Christianity, in essence, at its very core, is fundamentally supernatural, superficially natural, okay? But, but we sometimes reverse it. That's a whole different sermon. You guys know me. I'm all for the supernatural. I believe in that. So, But the supernatural is not necessarily the same as the spiritual. You cannot be too spiritual. Some people say, oh, that person's too spiritual. What they really mean is that person's too weird. And yeah, they probably are. What I'm talking about is that person is too spiritual is a contradiction. Because how can you be too much like Christ? You can't. It's not a possibility. So then, what does this mean to be in the Spirit? In the Spirit. Romans 8, 9. In the Spirit. Well, I am not, um, as many of you know, very athletic. It's not necessarily my forte. I'm, I can't even watch it without getting antsy. I'm thinking, what's the point of this? People talk about football games and baseball games and basketball games. I'm thinking, none of it really like translates for me. I, I, I could just, I sit there, I, 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 tell, like, I tell them, like, you don't know how painful it is for me to sit in front of a, a, a whatever you call it, a match around or whatever, and, and watch these guys running around. Something. I'm thinking, what a pointless thing. Like, and, and, and then they, at the end of the game, we did it. Like, you didn't do anything. You sat there and you watched them. But, you know, I'm not big on sports. So even growing up, you know, I, I recognized I didn't have quite the coordination that everyone else had. Um, but I'll, I won't forget this. My dad, um, you know, Pastor Dave, um, my dad was teaching me how to hit a baseball. Okay. 
So you got to picture this little Diga, right, with the baseball bat. He's lobbing softballs. I'm flinching, turning around, right? And, and, and so it wasn't until he said, okay, I'm going to show you the proper form. So my dad comes up behind me, and he puts his feet around my feet, shows me the stance. He grabs my hands, puts the bat forward, and when the baseball came, I flinched again. He tried to help me swing. I flinched and resisted his movement. And he told me, son, just relax. Let me do it. I said, okay. I think, I don't, I don't remember if my eyes were open or not. But when I finally relaxed, that ball came and I felt that movement. I just kind of surrendered to that movement. And it hit the ball. I, I hit the ball. I was very thrilled at what I had done. But you see, at that point, I was positioned in my father's stance. Okay? I was positioned in that proper form. In the spirit, it's the same. You're not really doing anything but abiding. Jesus said, if you abide in me, that there, I will abide in you. And there will be what? There will be fruit that comes from that. The scripture teaches us. Now, when you abide in Christ, the fruit automatically begins to manifest. You don't have to do much else. I just abide. So this is what it's talking about when it says in the spirit. It's not, it's not being loopy and weird. Well, there is a time for that. Sometimes some of the things we do are strange and people like, like praying in tongues. I'll pray in tongues all day, every day. And, and, uh, people get weirded out by it. That's okay. Sometimes there are some things that we do that people will consider weird or strange or different. But now in verse 10, the Bible says, and if Christ be in you, the body, say the body, is dead because of sin. Okay, wait a minute here. It's making a distinction. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So now I got two functions here. Now you have to understand that the body, the physical body is not evil. The Bible says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Why would the Holy Spirit inhabit something that's wicked in and of itself? The body is not intrinsically evil. It's not like this, this something that on its own is this wicked thing. It's a tool for living in this world and communicating with the world around us. But the physical body can be something that is used for the glory of God or used for sin. The problem is this. We've been trained. You trained the physical body... And we can get into the, to the, the physiological aspects of this, but, the, but some of you know what I'm talking about. When you, when you repeat an action again and again, in your brain there are paths that are formed and it becomes a tendency in something that you naturally do. In fact, some research has taught that you actually learn all of your patterns by age five or six. And they say that after age five and six, you're really just acting out your programming that you receive from five and six. Which kind of is a, a scary thought as a parent. But what, uh, what, I was, what I was saying was that the body was trained under an old mindset. Your body received cravings. Your body received tendencies. Your body has, has, has begun to produce certain habits because of an old mindset under which you trained that body. Basically, the body is the hardware. The, the flesh or sin is the software, the programming on that hardware. So, we've received this new programming, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of what? Because of sin. 
because of the old programming. Now, the Bible goes on to say something very powerful here, and this is where most people miss it because they use the verse to talk about how the Holy Spirit dwells in them, and that's great, and I believe that, and I think it's a wonderful truth. We also see that the Holy Spirit was the one who raised Jesus from the dead here, but look at what the Bible is saying in verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, Okay, so the Holy Spirit lives in me. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Quicken your mortal body. What does that mean? Quicken, Psalm 80, 18. Quicken us, we'll call unto you. It's, 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 a, it's an invigoration. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a point of touch that initiates a response out of you. It's, it's a new programming. So I will quicken, the Spirit will quicken your mortal bodies, meaning the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit flows through your physical body. So the body was dead because of sin under the old programming, but now the Holy Spirit quickens the mortal body, brings it to life because you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and helps you to live according to new patterns. Now then, the nature of sin. Because when we start to fall into the flesh or we, we allow ourselves to make decisions to go into the flesh, you have to understand it's never instantaneous. It's going to be incremental. Now, there are many contributing factors to how you feel or what you're doing or even the things that you uh, tend to go back to. I'm, talking, I'm telling you, diet, sleep patterns, people you're around, the stuff you're watching on TV, all of it contributes to whether or not you're going to have a stronger flesh or a stronger spirit. You don't realize it, but the, the temptation didn't come the moment that you were tempted. The temptation came because of two weeks of watching things you should not have been watching. The temptation came because you were filling your mind with carnal things. And, not, and guys, I'm not just talking about blatantly sinful things. I'm talking about carnal things. I mean things that fill your mind which contradict the word. Can I just tell you, turn off CNN. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it. I may get in trouble. I don't care. CNN is demonic. It's demonic. Tur, turn off NBC. Turn off Fox News. Will you stop? What are you doing? You're just filling your mind again and again with, 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 with fear-mongering and, and lies and trash. It's garbage in the spirit. But I'll tell you where I re- what I really think about CNN now. No, I'm kidding. I think I just did. No, but let's be honest. These things are not beneficial. Yeah, information is different. There's information and there's indoctrination. Be very careful and know the difference. Even in the education system, there's education and there's indoctrination. Be very careful. Okay? So we put these things in us, not realizing that we're taking in things that cause us to be fearful. We're taking in things that fuel our lusts. Do you realize that just the idea of giving into your lust again and again and again is practice for how you handle sin? Do you realize that how you handle food is practice for how you handle sin? 
It's just another little thing that people don't realize because you're training yourself to just, if I crave it, I go after it. If I crave it, I go after it. If I crave it, I go after it. That's why fasting has the power to break a lot of sinful habits because it teaches you to train yourself under a new way of thinking. So so, so you, you tell yourself, okay, I'm, I'm going to go on a Netflix. You know, one more, one more, one more, one more. If I crave it, I just do it. If I crave it, I just do it. You ought to make it a habit to just cut some things off every now and then and go read the word and pray just for the sake of telling the flesh and reminding it that you know how to tell it no. So, so these are the things that we don't realize are contributing to our spiritual weakness and apathy. Can you believe this is all spirit-led? I have not got into my notes yet. This is the Holy Spirit right now. I really sense this is the word for someone. There are things that we do that contribute to the strength of the flesh. And we don't even realize. I'm telling you, sometimes you're scrolling down Instagram, men and women. When men do it, they're perverts. When women do it, oh, I'm just being funny. But lust is lust. You're scrolling down Instagram, and you know, there's this, those pages. Sometimes there's a sponsored ad. Sometimes there's things they know how to target you. And instead of just scrolling past, you, you stay just a little too long on that picture. Now, now, in that moment, it may not have done anything that was blatantly evil. But what you just did is you put another drop in the bucket that's going to eventually tip and become a sin. So you're feeding it all week long. You're feeding it all week long by the conversations you have with people. Oh my gosh, this virus, it's spreading everywhere. Everyone's going to die. And that's all you're feeding it. I'm going to preach it. I'm telling you, this is the truth. I'm going to preach it. I don't care what you think. We feed it. Oh, oh, did you hear another so-and-so? And then, and then, and then I was seeing, I was seeing, and whatever you may think of the virus, it doesn't matter because it's, it's the way you approach it that matters. I, I was reading on, on Facebook, somebody put this, this, this story of this young guy. So, you know, the, we know the virus very rarely, it's like winning the lotto affecting a young person in that way. Um, the statistics are just, but, the, but see what the media does is they'll take a story and run it. And so they look all over the nation. Where can we highlight a story? Oh, over there in Pennsylvania, there was one young man. They won't tell you about underlying conditions, nothing. And I saw this woman. She takes that story. She puts it on Facebook. She goes, let this be a lesson to all of you who think you can go spend time with your family over the weekend. I was like, you're taking one thing and magnifying it by a thousand and then pretending like that's the norm all across the board. And that's how fear works. That's how manipulation works. That's how the flesh works, guys. It, it focuses in on the wrong thing. Not just with fear. It works this way with lust. It works this way with anger. Anger, you focus in on what they said. I mean, they may have forgotten about it. And then you just, it just right here in your mind and you're just pacing back and forth. I cannot believe. Oh, trust me, I do it. I have this saying, my flesh has this saying that I don't get even, I get ahead. And I'm like, I got to just get rid of that, that right there. I know what I can do. I, you're just thinking of, oh man, if they only knew how bad I could make it for. And you're just, your flesh is just on that thought. And you just, you can't let it go. I mean, sometimes, you know, maybe someone at the grocery store, someone in traffic and, and your, your body's all tense and you're seething from like 20 minutes ago. And you're like, wait, why am I mad? And you remember, oh yeah, it was that one person. And, and what happens is, is you focus in, you magnify, you magnify the things that cause you to stumble. That's how the flesh works. It is fed all week long by what you consume. It works that way for lust. 
It works that way for fear. It works that way for anger. It works that way for depression. You know, some people are addicted to the struggle. They've never known anything else, and so that's what they identify with, the struggle. I'm the one who struggles, so everything is a struggle. I'm thinking that's your whole Christianity. They imagine that Christianity is all about the struggle. Oh, it's just the war I'm fighting, man. I'm just getting through. And, and so then worship becomes this, oh, I'm just going to go and get my breakthrough. And like, man, if you haven't got your breakthrough by now, like you, there's something that has to be adjusted. Because every time you talk, how's it going? Oh, you know, fighting the good fight. <sighs> it was a rough week, but, but I'm so happy I, I got into church now. And it's like, uh, it's like if, if every Wednesday and every Sunday is the checkpoint, otherwise you wouldn't have made it. There's some trouble there. I was listening to the Christian radio station. You and I were talking about this. We were listening, and songs kept coming on of like, oh, I'm so sad, but you're my joy. I'm broken. But I'm thinking, man, like the market really is geared toward people who are just always struggling. Like that's the demographic. Like who, who listens to your station? Strugglers. That's our, our demographic. And, and it's, like, it's like we talk to each other as if the whole thing is just one big struggle, one big, one big war. And just, oh, every day I'm just fighting and oh, I'm trying to. Let me tell you something. That's how the flesh works. If you're living that way, I'm telling you this. It's because you're living under the power of the flesh. You're living under that carnal nature. And that carnal nature, those feelings, those thoughts, produce those actions. Depression leads to isolation. Anger leads to acts of regret. Lust leads to falling into temptation. The fear that begins to grip you leads to a life where you're just boxed in. I'm going to stay in my house and never leave till nothing ever bad happens out there again. There's always going to be something to fear. Always. You can't let fear control the way you live. And so the nature of sin and temptation can be found. I'm beginning my sermon now, but this will probably be it. Um, let's go to 1 John 2.16. 1 John 2.16. Let me show you how temptation works. So that's the flesh. That's, that's the carnal nature. But real briefly, I want to show you how it ensnares you. 1 John 2.16, for all, say all, that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Lust of the flesh, that's the cravings. That's sexual temptation. That's gluttony. That's laziness. That's the physical body and its cravings. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes covetousness that's that's where where that's where temptation really begins to come in and you start to desire the things of the world so the lust of the eyes can work with the lust of the flesh because sometimes a lust of the eye will trigger the lust of the flesh but they are in fact distinct different forms of temptation the lust of the flesh is a craving the lust of the eye is what you see that can also have to do with the cars you want to buy and the, and there's nothing wrong and there's nothing sinful about buying a nice car but if buying a nice car consumes you and that becomes the pursuit of your life then it's become greed and you need to repent so the lust of the eyes the things i want the things I, i'm going after and then the pride of life a lot of things that fall into that are having to do with anger, having to do with unforgiveness, having to do with all of these things that cause us turmoil in our lives. But these really are the three areas that, of temptation. Now, if you remember in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, we see that Eve was tempted by the serpent to eat of the fruit. What did the Bible say there? She saw 
that it was good. That was the lust of the eyes. She, she craved it. She desired it. That's the lust of the flesh. And she desired the wisdom that it would give her because she wanted to be like God. That's the pride of life. The temptation there was all encapsulated when Eve was tempted. And that's why the scripture tells us there are really only three areas of temptation. Now, in Matthew 4, when Jesus goes and is tempted in the wilderness, we see again that Jesus is tempted in these three areas. Make these stones bread. That's the lust of the flesh. He, he takes them uh, to the top of a temple, says, throw yourself down. That's the pride of life. Prove who you are. And then finally, he takes them and shows them all the kingdoms of the world, says, anything you what see, I can give to you. That is the lust of the eye. So even Jesus overcame temptation in all these areas. That's why the Bible says, that he was tempted in every point. It does not mean that he was tempted with every specific sin. It means that he was tempted in every specific area, namely the ones that we see in 1 John chapter 2. So then, when we look at a temptation, we can see the way that Jesus overcame that temptation and mimic his victory using what Jesus used. When he was tempted to make the stone bread, what did he say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. This is why the scripture declares, I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. You overcome the lust of the flesh with the word. It's not willpower. It's not discipline. It's not promising, oh, I won't do it again, Lord, help me next time. It's, it's, it has to do with the word intake. You must up the word intake. If you are struggling with, with lust of the flesh, those cravings of the body, the only thing that will liberate you is getting into the word of God and feeling that whole with the word of God. When you've been satisfied with Jesus, you'll never seek after sin. When you've been satisfied with the word, you'll never seek after what the world has to offer. And then we see that Jesus was said to have been taken to the top of the temple. Throw yourself down. Show that you are the son of God. And what's interesting here is the Bible says that, that he was told, if you are the son of God. That was the very same thing they taunted him with when he was actually on the cross. So this training in the wilderness, the fasting, was actually training for that moment there. So it's an incremental promotion that happens in the spirit as you pass your test. So Jesus is thrown or said to have been told, you must throw yourself off. Prove that you are the son of God. He says, I'm I'm not going to tempt the Lord my God. In other words, he approached that with humility. Humility is the antidote to the pride of life. When you come into a situation where someone wants to, as they say, how do they say, square up? Is that what they say? What's the modern term? Maddie, what's the modern when someone wants to fight? What do they call that? Throw hands. Okay, there you go. See, throw hands. That's a new one. See, there's, there's one for every generation. So, so when someone wants to throw hands or, or you're, you're on social media, you're typing, you know, your response to somebody, chapter five, and you, you got this whole thing typed out, you know, I can't believe Renee posted that, I'm going to get on here, and I'm, right, you're, you're, you're so worked up, you're so angry, and, and then the Holy Spirit says, hey, why don't you just delete that? The Holy Spirit's had me delete more things than, uh, than I've written. I could, I could write volumes with the things I've deleted. We get so worked up. 
or that, that little traffic incident. I, I, I find it so funny that when, we, when we're in the car, we treat people like they're not people. We treat them like they're cars. You know, oh, that stupid car did this. But, 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 but those little interactions, maybe the waitress was a little rude. Maybe the, the lady at the checkout was a little rude. Maybe, maybe, maybe the gentleman at the gas station was a little. And, and, and what happens is uh, the, the, the flesh begins to, to rise in those moments. And if you're not able to, to, to deflate that, with humility, you're going to have this explosive moment that you regret. And th- again, this is not just anger. This is anything that has to do with the pride of life. God will break you or you can just bow. But either way, you're going to have to be humbled. Especially because God loves you, he will eventually just break you if you don't choose to just take the path of humility. And then finally, Jesus is taken and shown all the kingdoms of the world. The enemy tells him, you just got to worship me. Worship me and I'll give you anything you see. What does he say to him? Does he worship the Lord your God only? Do you realize that worship is one of the keys to overcoming temptation? You know why? Because as the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When my eyes are fixed on Jesus and he becomes my affection. See, when I'm looking at him, I, I don't really care about who told me anything over here. Or, or I, you, you, you guys know me and you know that I, I probably get a lot of, you, you'd be amazed at the messages and the threats and the things I get online. But you know what? I, I just, my eyes are on Jesus. People gossip, my eyes are on Jesus. People have issues, my eyes are on Jesus. Uh, you know, you know there, there, there's, there's something that may come up that wants your attention. Oh, this thing over here is beautiful. It's the eye. Behold it. Look at, look at how wonderful that will make. No, no, no. How, how can I ever trade this for that? That's garbage. Get that out of here. I want Jesus. And, and, and it doesn't matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter what, what affliction, what, what, what argument, what situation arises, even in your home. My eyes are on Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm not in those situations. You know what I tell people when they freak out on me in arguments? I, you know, I can't tell you how many. I think demons just manifest. I'm telling you, demons manifest on me. If the fle- people's flesh like comes up, I can't explain why. And, and, <laughs> and I've seen so many people lose it. Like I'll just kind of walk up and say, and, and they'll just go off. It, it, it really is that random sometimes. You did that, did that, that, blankety blank. And I picture it like this. You ever, you ever go to like to a theme park and the roller coaster's too much? I'm that guy, okay? I'm the guy who waits at the exit. I'll wait for all of you to get off. And, and, and you go and you watch your friends like, oh, there they go. Okay, wow. Okay, and then they come back and then, and then they come out and you're like, how was it? Did you enjoy that? They're like, yeah, it was great. Okay, well, don't expect me to go on that, but let's get going, right? That's, that's how it has to be when somebody goes into the flesh. Okay, you're going to get in the flesh? Go for it. I'll wait for you at the exit. I'll watch you go through all the craziness. All right, yeah, you're going to, okay, argue. Okay, now, oh, you're going through the, oh, you're going through the loop now. Oh, you got another loop. Oh, there's another loop. Okay, there's the drop. Okay, you're coming. You're entering this. Okay, you're slowing down now. How was that ride? I'm not getting on with you next time. Whenever somebody comes, I'll tell them, look, I'm not going to go there with you. You, you. you have fun on that roller coaster. I will always wait for you at the exit. And this is the way we must approach the things of the flesh. We have to stay away from that. So 
I got about five minutes here. Just lift your hands, begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, you watching in your home. I want to talk to you. Don't let the flesh win. Don't let the flesh win. Fight it. Overcome that fear. Overcome that temptation. Overcome that isolation. Overcome the lies of the enemy. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember what we believe. Remember that we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that we believe in the supernatural. Remember that you can overcome this thing. You can overcome the flesh. Everyone here, you can overcome the flesh. The flesh doesn't come and go. It shrinks and grows. Remember that. The flesh doesn't come and go. It shrinks and grows. You have to keep it shrunk. You have to keep it weak. Maybe you're in this place and your flesh has got a little out of hand. Maybe you're watching at home. I'm just going to be real with you. Maybe you're watching at home because of the fear that has gripped your heart. Fear is of the flesh. And I'm not saying that's for everyone. That's some people. And I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm not trying to tear you down. I want to wake you up because I love you. I'd, I'd go and give you a big hug right now if you were here. But, but there are some who are trapped in that. And God says, come out and be free. Be free today. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.